with Christine, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs. Are you willing to step into your greatness? Are you ready to shine? Well, get ready, truth seeker. You're in for an amazing ride. And now, here's the host of the show, Christine Blasdale. Welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, motivational media coach, Christine Blasdale. And I am so happy about today. I feel really good about today's show and my guest, Tabitha Scott. Tabitha is a a thought leader, innovator, public speaker, award-winning, best-selling author. And she's here today to talk about how we can improve our personal lives, um, our businesses, which is absolutely important right now, and how we can adapt and change in these ever-changing, crazy days that we're living in. So I want to welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, Tabitha Scott. Welcome, my love. Thanks, Christine. I am so stoked to be here today coming from Nashville, Tennessee this afternoon. Nashville, that's the like the music capital of the Central America, right? Central America, it not is. Central America. Music, city. Music is- city, and I live right downtown, so it's happening all the time. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So let's let's talk. Um, first of all, uh, I want to know a little bit about your your background and and how because you've done a lot. I, I mean, look, I was looking sort of at your resume, and and I know when I introduced you, I did, I said those things, some of those classifications of what you do, but um. You have been working with companies and corporations all around the world, helping them design better systems in in how to become more um, streamlined, but also adapt. And um, and I think this is really important and very timely. <laughs> We've, we're still kind of like on the trail end of a pandemic. So um, how did you get started in this business? Yeah, I got started working with change and adaptation as sort of a a sideline to my day job. My day job was working with sustainability and innovation with very large infrastructure companies. They were building commercial buildings and facilities as well as um, communities like military housing communities here in the US where we have privatized. And it was my role to figure out how can we be the most energy efficient in those and conserve precious resources like water and waste on those. And what I learned really fast was even though I went through um, electrical engineering, you know, training and did all of these things to learn what I could, it didn't matter how great the idea was unless people were willing to change. And so it, it became really important to study human behavior. And what we learned was it takes technology and process like rules and regulations, or people have to understand what they're doing And then it takes that behavior change as well. And so literally what um, helped me throughout my business career, transforming businesses and getting new technologies and innovations put in place was that ability to adapt to what those senior leaders needed, like putting it in the terms of the language of the dollar. If it was building an investment and what was in it for them, um, in addition to, you know, this is going to be great for the air and the things that were important to me 
you have to put it in the language that people can understand and resonate with. There's a, what is that um, saying? Know your audience, right? Know your audience. One of the things I love, mm, I love doing public speaking. I love speaking in front of a live audience. And I love, I find, I need to find out always what their, what their backgrounds are, what, you know, what they do. And when you're speaking to some audiences, it could be a, a combination of a whole lot of different um, industries, uh, a whole lot of different backgrounds. But I do love to know sort of who I am, who I am speaking to and how I can speak in words that are relatable to them, that they can actually like take home the things that are important to them. I recently mm -hmm. spoke to a, a group of women in business, about 100 of them at the at one time. And um, the things that were important to them are very different than the things that I would be speaking to, let's say, to an audience where I wasn't, uh, where I don't know where they're coming from, because it could be anything that they're they're interested in. But I found what what really resonated with them was they had a need to get the word out right through media, through videos and uh, radio and and podcasting and TV. They needed to get the message out on their business. And but they also had the need to have bits of freedom, freedom to be with their family, freedom to have a holistic life. So mm -hmm. that's that helped me in, in speaking to them. And so I could see how with the work that you've done, you have to think of all of those things because it's not just about the money with a lot of, uh, of, of work that you do. Right. It's not just about how much money we're going to save or how much money we're going to make. And that's a shift that's happening as well. You want to talk about that? Yeah, well, let's let's do talk about that because know your audience. And if your corporate stakeholders and the stock market value money only, then that is where you have to interpret to them. However, um, I walked away from a global executive career at the end of 2016 um, because of complete burnout, because my life and where I wanted to go with purpose did not resonate with big corporate life anymore. And I think you've seen that in the mass exodus in the United States, all over the world, people are in complete imbalance. And if you think about the world of physics, physics just means nature. And the in the world of physics, if you're off balance, your high vibe is being drained by the low vibe around you. And if you don't fit in that corporate culture, if the audience that you're working with is not resonating with you, then it's literally pulling from you. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Heat, high vibe will go to low vibe if you don't protect yourself. And if you don't recognize you're in the wrong culture. Mm. And that's why I appreciate the the hybrid model or the um, remote um, working model when, within an organization or a company. Um, I was highly, I had to be highly creative at the, my job at a radio station. And I had to think of like things completely out of the box uh, because it was my job at that time was to raise money and mm -hmm. to raise a lot of money and to basically be like a QVC salesperson, you know, to go, <laughs> to go on and go, you know, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I had to do it in a very clever, thoughtful way. And mm -hmm. I said, I, I, I told the management at the time, I said, listen, I lived at that time at the beach in Ventura and to drive into Los Angeles with the traffic, sometimes it'd be two hours to get mm -hmm. to, to the station. Um, and if I didn't have to go on live, 
um, but I just needed to work on on developing these ideas. I said, I need to, I need to be able to have the ability to work from home. And mm -hmm. if I can work from home, I will be a, a content creating machine because yeah. I'm happy there because I can wear my jammies and I can yeah. have my coffee and I can go take a walk at the beach uh, if I needed to stretch my legs, uh, take a break. And there's no distractions because office life, apparently people like to come up and just chew the, you know what? They like to come up and go, hey, how you doing? Do you got a minute? I used to have a timer even. It, it was a timer, a sand, like a little sand glass, yeah. you know, hourglass thing. And I would flip it over and it's a, and it was one minute. And I'd say, you have one minute. Yes, and they'd look at me like I was nuts because they wanted to talk about the latest TV show they were watching. And I said, no, no, no. I need to be as productive as possible yeah. and happy. Because mm -hmm. if I'm happy, I'll be productive. Uh, and, right. and, and, I, and, I did, and I didn't have the burnout. But mm -hmm. having that commute, so like almost four hours a day just driving in traffic, then being yeah. there and not being able to focus and stay focused and, and create um, mm -hmm. I just told them, I said, you know, this is what I need. And they let me do it. And of course I produced, I, you know, million dollars a year, 1.2 million dollars a year was raised. And it was a, we were, it was a happy relationship that way. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate the, those companies and organizations that see that. Now there's some people, as we know, that you can't let them do that because they're going to go and they're going to go party and they're not going to get their work done. But, um, but I've always been one of those high achievers, I think, and somebody who I, I, I'm proud. It's not a one size fits all approach, you know, no, and no. I agree with what you're saying completely. Um, some people thrive in the office. They're people attached. They love that relationship and others need the focus and they need to, you know, quiet time and to be able to close the door and and focus without those interruptions and you know the pace of change you mentioned i've got a minute i have a 30 second timer and it's one of those little sand things and the pace of technological change during the entire year of 2000 the whole year Ugh. now happens every 30 seconds and so when pe when people are talking about you know i, I can't th get this fast enough or stressing out, I flip my little timer and go, look, all, you know, a whole year's worth of change has just happened in the time that sand ran, ran out. Don't stress. Like you can't chase change because you're never going to catch it. Not anymore. You have to pause and say, what part of the growth curve am I on today? Because the growth curve is one of those universal truths that goes throughout all of business. Yet, we ignore nature in business. We forget about it. And so we've lost our balance. And you have to say, what part of this growth curve am I in? And what kind of people should I surround myself with? If it's a startup, a fundraising thing like you're talking about, or a growth and you need scalers, or is it mature and you need people to eke efficiency out of it? Um, you know, where is it? And focusing on eking and maximizing everything out of that phase for the growth curve is a whole heck of a lot more powerful than um, just saying we need a bunch of profits this month. Uh, it's that's so true. And it's that adaptability to and knowing that things are going to change. I There was a lot of people that when the whole COVID thing happened and there was downsizing and then reducing of hours or complete, you know, whole industries were, you know, or companies were shut down. Um. 
we were sort of forced into that adaptability, right? We had a, we, we needed to change our people who were either like deer in headlights, uh, panicking and understandably so, or they had to reassess what they were doing and start creating, which I call it, it, that was the Renaissance as well. I mean, so many businesses started up so many businesses. So much creativity was unleashed and so many people reevaluated what's important to them. And what's important is what um, you're conscious about, um, what you set your intent and your importance on. And people were realizing what the heck, like my life is passing me by in the car while I'm in commute in traffic and and or I'm serving an organization that is not living their authentic values and having the values on some boardroom wall or even on this little card that's printed out and handed to you. And then if they are acting in a different way and rewarding things that are the opposite of that, then that causes disharmony. And we're all made of energy. Quantum science proves that. So anytime you get disharmony in your life, People get imbalanced, which leads to burnout, which leads to depression. You know, it's just this vicious cycle. And so people after COVID are like, I'm not going to do that anymore. My life is too precious and I'm going to spend time doing what I love to do. And let's talk about the importance of those larger, those organizations, companies, corporations, also knowing and valuing those people that help them become successful corporations and businesses right and yeah and um like you said instead of instead of just lumping everybody together right and saying this is the model of the work needs to be done how it needs to be done uh you're here at you know nine o'clock you leave at six o'clock or five o'clock this is what it is you know all of that in instead and having those the the management the leaders of that company or organization be really clever and to see how different people, like you said, there are some people who love that camaraderie of being in an office of yeah. they, they, they like, you know, they like wearing a uniform. They, they, they like, they like that structure. And yeah. then there's others who um, thrive, not being in that coming in every now and then, of course, to, you know, like to touch base and go, this is what I'm This is what's happening. But having those, uh, having leadership that can see that also there's a, there's a huge uh, part of the workforce, especially with women who they're, you know, discovering that they have ADHD. Well, mm-hmm. if you have an employee who's, who's ADHD or neurodivergent in any way, they're going to operate a very different way than yeah. someone who can go in, have all kinds of, you know, distractions, um, stress level, you know, uh, management, all those things. One of the things I know with ADHD uh, folk is that they can multitask like nobody's business, but, <laughs> yes. but there's a burnout phase. If you, yes. if you allow them to take on too much, right. Cause they mm-hmm. will. Um, so it's just knowing that you have a diverse workforce um, or if you have a company or a business, you have employees, you have people that work for you that, mm-hmm. um, that are different. And, that's and I love good. that you brought up um, neurodiversity because yeah. so many companies are still using the language of diversity to describe um, demographics. What do they look like? You know, what are their preferences? What is their age? They're talking about things that have been protected since the 1960s. Now, I'm sorry that they haven't actually implemented them, but <laughs> right. 
that's like well proven and past where we have neurodiversity, cognitive diversity, diversity dynamics, which I'm writing about um, in Forbes right now with a series and thinking about how people think differently. We talked about in nature variation and adaptability. If you look at like birds, you know, there's um, the warbler bird here in Tennessee and Kentucky, and it only lives in hemlock trees at the top of hemlock trees. And now there's an invasive species that's come in with climate change and it's wiping out the trees. And this beautiful little songbird is going extinct where you have like the cardinal who can live in thickets or bushes or little trees, all sorts of areas. So it has adapted to do many things and eat many things. And even the male has a different color than the female, one to attract for mating and one to protect the babies and blend in with the nest. And so you see variation. It's another one of those universal truths in nature that when we really get it in business and when we want to go faster, we're going to start getting beyond demographic diversity and what we look like and get over it and accept that that's the foundation. That's kind of like table stakes. But we have neurodiversity, people with um, Asperger's that I've worked with in the past, people with autism that can think faster and stronger than we can even imagine possible. Leveraging that, leveraging people that are great at finding risk and those that love to take risks. You need a balance. And that's the yin yang of all things that our business world, especially in the United States, has gotten so far out of balance. And we wonder why people are getting depressed and getting burnout and leaving the workplace in droves is because there is no balance there anymore. That's so true. They're, the The balance is gone. They're burned out. Um, and we all need a therapy session because listen, with, with, with COVID, with the pandemic and lockdowns, I mean, every, every time I see a news story about China right now, I, my heart breaks for, mm -hmm. for the Chinese people because um, I cannot imagine being locked in my house or my apartment, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. folks uh, here in, in Sydney, they had, um, you know, there were some serious lockdowns where you couldn't, couldn't leave, but they yeah. weren't bolted into their um, uh, apartment. Mm -hmm. um, the, the stress though, that we have, we've had that we've endured over the last few years, not only of course, financial, but health, We've lost loved ones, right? Yeah. We were, um, because of the, the closures, the border closures and the state closures as well, we weren't able to be with the people that were sick or passing even, mm -hmm. which is another trauma. We did, yeah. we had completely had no idea what was going to happen, which to a person when you, it's not that we have a magic crystal ball and we know exactly what's going to happen in our lives and what's going to happen next month. But there was such mm -hmm. uncertainty yeah. that there was such uncertainty in the market. There was such uncertainty with your people, with their own finances, with their own family, their own um, ability to be mobile. Mm -hmm. And we, as we, we love to be free. <laughs> yeah. And there still is all of this uncertainty. You know, studies show that the PTSD Ooh. from COVID related events is actually worse than one time events like a hurricane or a tornado because people didn't know when it's going to end. They don't know when it's going to end. How often do you turn on the dial and somebody's telling you, oh, another new you know, strain of COVID is out 
and it's sweeping the nation. Well, it's going to keep happening because viruses adapt just like we adapt. And it always has happened over the history of time. And until we acknowledge the PTSD and the trauma that people have gone through and they're continuing to go through, I can't agree with you more, Christine. Like everybody needs a session. Like companies need to be thinking about how to help you know, people understand they're, they're saying, I want you to be more productive. I want you to be in the office. I want you to be creative. Well, that's at the top of Maslow's hierarchy, right? They got to get back to the bottom, back to safety needs and belonging and you know, your basic comfort that I am okay, because people are not okay today. And you can't leapfrog up here. The way that hierarchy works is you start from the bottom and you go up. And parenthetically, since we just had Thanksgiving here in the States, recently I have been studying much more about the natives and the Blackfoot native tribe in Canada actually informed Maslow for his hierarchy. Really? Yes. He was trying to clarify it and he spent six months with them. And, um, used a lot of their practices, just like a lot of our constitution in the United States came from the Iroquois and the tribes that were here before us. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I shared a story on uh, my LinkedIn for Thanksgiving this year that was honoring and first of all, owning what our role was in the Americas. And uh, my fifth great grandfather Colonel James Scott, his brother was commanding General Winfield Scott, who led the Trail of Tears. And wow. so, Ooh. yeah, it's heartbreakingly personal Ooh. yeah, for me. And um, I am sorry on behalf of our role in that, you know, as a, as a people and as a lineage. And I'd shared the things that I can do because I can change and I buy Native American art if I have a gift. I try to work with the Cherokee Nation and sponsor their healthcare programs. Um, so talking to people that are Native and understanding and using like the second book I'm working on now, I include in there about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how it you know, was informed by Native roots. I love that. You know what? I It's interesting because you said your fifth great grandfather, my fifth great grandfather. And I remember this because as a little kid, I was told this. And for the longest time, I was I would be so proud and I would walk around school and I'd say my fifth great grandfather, John Hart, Jonathan Hart, signed the Declaration of Independence. And I carry around a, a, a it was like a replica of the Declaration of Independence and like old, it looked like it was like old, old, but yeah. it um, it had their signatures, right? And so I would rock, because my grandmother told me, you know, you're great grandma. So I would walk around school and I'd say, you know, my, look, 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 you know. And then a couple, few years ago, I looked him up. And even though he was, um, because the British hunted down a lot of the people, the, 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 some of the folks that were, that were signers of that, they, they were hunted them down, like, you know, um, called them, what do you call them? Whatever terrorists, whatever they were. Um, but, but he owned slaves. And I yeah. said, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. And yeah. it just, I, I, all of those little moments of when I was a little kid, I was like going, you know, but there, there were some good things that happened out of that time, 
But at that time, we had a whole race of people who were not even considered human beings, you know, and so we have to take responsibility for that. And we have to um, understand the lineage, understand and 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 how generation after generation, the trauma that was inflicted upon our 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 friends are. Yeah. Our, our soul family, you know what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah. It, it To think it doesn't affect us today and to think because we passed these state laws here in the United States that forbid us to teach about factual history now, that forbid us to talk about those things, that's not going to solve the problem. The imbalance is there and it's generational and it's been there. The thing that's going to change our country and move us forward is getting that balance back. And that starts with the words, I'm sorry. Yes. You know, yes, that's the first step. And you got to freaking mean it. It's not just, you know, for publicity or, you know, hey, look at me. It's about meaning it and then showing it with your authenticity and your actions. Because if your actions do not align with what you say, right, people will have none of it anymore. And I'm glad. Yes, that's uh, well, that and that is the change that's happening. And because there is a little bit we have, a you know, a bit of an echo chamber, we have something, um, I don't know, called social media, where you can blast, you know, um, something out and people will ha- are, are are savvy enough to have none of it. Um, just in quick reference, the the company that starts with a B and ends with a Yaga. <laughs> uh, oh, you know. People are having none of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and- millions of people are like, you know what? No, no. Yeah. I'm done with that, which is good, yeah. right? Yes. It's good. Yes. If because it shows about- what we, what we will accept, what we will accept. And that's the, that's the issue for so long. We have accepted things. And that what's that thing that, that saying, um, they came for the so you know they came for this person and the uh, but it wasn't me so I didn't I said I didn't say anything. It's we've accepted things that have happened because it wasn't affecting us personally, and yeah. now we're reaching a point I think in our consciousness because we are connected, um, mm-hmm. but we we may not know it, but we're reaching a point where you know what, it doesn't affect me personally, but that's mm-hmm. unacceptable. That's it does affect behavior. you personally. You just yeah. don't get it yet. You don't understand it yet. There's right. a really interesting documentary called Fabulous Fungi um, on Netflix that talks about the neural networks of fungi and how for millennia, I mean, millions of years, um, they're not a plant. They're not an animal. Um, they're this in-between thing where our evolution came this direction and theirs came that way. But our worldwide web is akin to their neural networks. And they tell trees, hey, there's a a disease over here in this part of the forest. You need to drop your seeds further away or, you know, hold your branches in. It is incredible how nature handles that diversity in um, disease and things that are threatening. Whereas humans, you know, especially in the United States, We're looking out for number one, you know, well, that doesn't affect me where it's that you remember that psychology study where if you show a picture of um, a jungle and there's like a tiger in it somewhere and you show it to an American, then you say what's in there and they're like, oh, it's a tiger. And if you show it to someone in Asia, um, then they will say it's a jungle. And sometimes they'll say it's a jungle with a tiger in it. 
because all we see is what is the loudest, you know, yes, thing right in front of us sticking out. <laughs> and forget all the context of everything else and everybody else. And I am being, you know, overly exaggerative. Not everyone is like that. But having spent a lot of time working in the UK and the EU and in other parts of the world, there is a much greater sense of community than there is in the United States, at least in some of the states. Well, and we have it's because it's a combination to it's our, you know, upbringing um, in the U.S. And uh, and also we do have something very different in the U.S. that I have to say uh, when, when when my um, my my new friends here in Australia, that's where I'm living when they say, do you miss America? Do you miss? And, and, and there are some, some things that I miss. Um, number one, I do. I miss, I, I miss my, my friends. I miss my black friends because there's, this is the whitest place in the world. <laughs> this there's you know, uh, there's no good Mexican food. There's no good soul food. There's just, you know, nothing like that. It's very yeah. white. Um, okay. So that I, I miss, I miss that. Uh, but I also, in America, we have this thing, um, and I had it when I was a kid. I was told you can do anything, yeah. you can be anything, you you know you've got it. You you know that 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 American spirit of mm-hmm. you know you can create anything uh, mm-hmm. because there's so many stories from people who've come from dirt, you know, dirt poor, yeah. and they um, you know. They 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 relocated from another country. They've come, you know, to to America and they started a business on, you know, with like a couple bucks in their pocket. And then now the American dream. it's the American dream. And that is yeah. something that is very unique, mm-hmm. very unique here in Australia. There is a thing of like it's called the tall poppy syndrome. And so I'm I'm saying I'm saying this so that when you come to speak in Australia, you know, OK, <laughs> you, the tall poppy syndrome, which is, hey, don't stand too tall. Don't. Don't toot your own horn. Um, don't say how successful you are because mm-hmm. you don't want to be higher than the other poppies, right? Yeah. And yeah. and yet in America, it's the opposite. It's, you know, go on top of the mountain, you know, go on top of the mountain and say you are the number one agent in the world or whatever. But there is that such a different perception of, yeah. of an expression as well. I'm trying, I'm sprinkling a little bit of that American sauce here in Australia (laughs) saying it's okay to say that you're a really amazing accountant, (laughs) you know, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm really good at what I do. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what we'll, and we'll share, we'll share a little bit of Australian stuff over there to in America. But, um, but yeah, that's some of the things um, that, that I, I do miss that. Art culture is just so interesting. Working for an Australian firm uh, where if someone was behind on a task, they might reply to all in red font or all caps and think nothing of it, you know, very direct. But I was working with Sydney, you know, folks. And then the British working for people in London, someone could miss the deadline by weeks and they would send, hi, this is a gentle reminder that your task you know, might have been overlooked. And I just <laughs> went to scream. It wasn't overlooked. It was due three weeks ago. <laughs> and get it done, you know. So <laughs> culture is so different, you know, depending on where you are and what's acceptable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which goes oh back goodness. to know your audience, right? <laughs> know your audience. Know your audience. 
Well, um, Tabitha, I was wondering if you could, could you give us, because we are in a world of change and we do need to, we need to embrace our adaptability. I don't want to say we need to become more adaptable because we've, let me tell you, we've been through a lot. We all know that. But um, can you give us, you know, t- for those that are listening or watching on, on YouTube, Out of the Box with Christine, um, can you give us also maybe a few tips on how we can be, how we can embrace that ad- adaptability and also to av- help avoid that burnout? Maybe some little gems? Yeah, absolutely. When, so first of all, stop stressing out about the small stuff. You've heard that a million times, but what it's important to do is identify those pressures coming at you. If you think about our language, you know, we've been using words like that resonates with me Um, during our conversation today, everything about us goes back to our core energy, our core and ourself and emotions stem out from there. And then actions stem out from that. And even to the point of if it's a great idea, a light bulb is what comes on over our head, you know, so remember that you are an electrical being, you have power inside of you already. And so identifying those things that drain you, if somebody calls and you instantly feel this sickness in your gut, like, oh, I do not want to talk to them, then don't like give yourself the grace that if something is draining you or making you sick to stop you know, to redirect. And so that is adaptability, not in a seeking way, but in a, I choose to decouple from this. And you saw that happen with the mass exodus and with people changing into things that are more meaningful in their lives. So that's step one. Step two, start listening to what does rage your vibe. Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, they all attribute their success to intuition. They listen to their intuition. And people are like, well, that's a hokey word. I'm not sure what that means, but you do. You do know what that that means. Here's here's a little trick. If you're logic-minded that I read in a book um, once, then boil any question you want that's keeping you up at night to a yes or no answer and flip a coin. And if it's heads is yes, and you feel immediately elated, then your intuition is saying yes. If you feel like, oh, let's do the best two out of three, I'm going to try again. Your intuition is saying, maybe that's not for you, but your conscious mind, your logic mind is going to be tracking the coin and you will actually get to hear your inner voice. So there's a little trick for that. I like that. I like that. You know what? That. Um, I, I do love tapping into intuition and I am, I don't market myself as a psychic or intuitive media coach, but I use it. I use it. I use it when I use it when I'm on air. Um, I use it when I'm throwing a curveball. I use it when I'm, when I'm onboarding a client, if I'm talking to them and if I feel like, mm, I feel that icky sauce, (laughs) I feel that icky sauce. I'm like, Oh, I I, I need to tell them that I'm just too busy. I've got too many clients. I can't take them on. Or yeah. what I, my gauge is um, we'll be, I'll be talking to someone and I'll get the goosebumps and that just yeah. the hair on my arms on my, if it goes down my neck and my back, I'm like, Oh, the universe is saying this is so good. And, yes. um, and that's when a, if, if an idea comes to me and I'll share that with them and I'll say, I'm sharing this with you because I have all the hair on all 
parts of my body <laughs> sticking straight up and and it's just um recognition that yeah. it's got power it's got energy and what you said yeah. earlier is so important it's all about energy mm-hmm. so if you are you know if you are an accountant if you are a public speaker if you are a coach a consultant um if you make bagels it's all about your energy and what you put into it right yeah there's a reason they call it flow right um yes. how does energy work you have to have the connection first so you have yes. to connect with your job with your purpose with your people at work and then you have to direct that and a way that makes sense and you follow your intuition to do that and then you can you know push the power through through motivation and purpose and the things that speak to you it's it's so unfortunate how people get hung up on i don't know my life purpose my whole purpose and i would say do these little waypoints it's like a journey instead of stressing yourself out now some people wake up like you might have known you were always going to be in media and you know, on the radio, on TV, but most people don't know that. And so picking these little waypoints that feel better, maybe it's gooseys that you get, maybe you're subconsciously humming, you catch yourself singing a little tune in your head or whistling as you bop down the street. What are you doing in those moments and find ways to do more of them. And those are your little waypoints that build up to a purposeful transformation over time. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't have to know it all. It doesn't have to be all laid out for you. Exactly. And I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know as a kid that I was going to do because it, I don't think it even crossed my mind. I just know that one Christmas when I was about 10 years old, my, my mom got me a present that you would have thought was like a pony or a puppy, but no, it was a tape recorder. (laughs) It was a cassette tape recorder. It was a cassette tape recorder. And I was out of my mind with joy because she was, uh, she'd work late at night um, to take care of me. And so uh, I would be asleep by the time she'd come home. So I would record little messages for her and I would make up stories and I would interview, you know, Winnie the Pooh or whatever. I I just was making up stuff. But um, it was my way of being, you know, creative. And then lo and behold, years and years later, I, you know, start going on radio and podcasting. And it's just weird. It's weird how those things happen. But it's just tapping into that joy, right? Yeah, it totally is. It totally is. It's about following what really jazzes you up. And it's about tuning in, not to be too punny since you're at a radio career. (laughs) But, you know, whatever you're tuning into is really, really important. Um, There, We are getting, you know, what is it? um, 300 emails a day. We're checking our devices every six minutes on average. It never, never, never stops. And so you can't listen to it all. And you have to be really careful. Are you tuning into the negative news? Are you tuning into the fear about things you can't control? You cannot control COVID. You cannot control disease. You know, there are things outside of our control. And the more you tune into that versus tuning into those things that energize you and jazz you up, um, the more imbalance you're going to feel and the more burnout you're going to feel. So we have the ability to choose what we tune in and we tune out. And based on what we decide, you know, it could be an AM radio station or we could be at this high frequency like the satellites, you know, out there in space. Um, but you have the choice. Uh, that, that's 
That's a perfect way to end the show. You have the choice and know your audience. (laughs) That's right. Right. Uh, Thank you so much, Tabitha Scott. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Do you want to throw out, if people want to find out more about you, um, what's the best place that they can do that? Where, Where can they go? Yeah, they can go to powering-potential.com. They can check that out. Uh, They could also go to epicpivot.com. That is our group of partners doing purposeful transformation work with companies across the U.S. Well, and and hopefully soon coming out coming out to uh, Aussie land. Yeah, we need to do the reef. We need to do the reef. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Thank you so very much, Tabitha. I appreciate it so much. Your time being on the show. And thank you, wonderful listeners on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, you name it. And also our wonderful subscribers on YouTube. If you haven't yet subscribed, please go to YouTube. Subscribe to the show. You will be notified every single time there's a new episode. And you can actually see my lovely guest today, Tabitha Scott. Until next time, I always want to remind you to think outside of that damn box. Bye for now.